Welcome to the new Wabu Order podcast. And I go by the name of Wabu. Today I got some special people with me. Hey, yeah, Martre Stevens, aka Baker from the My Unapologetic Perspective podcast. Mm -hmm. We're here to give information to our African Americans um, based off experience, based off black history, based off perspective. Um, and I'm to the right of me, of course, is one of my co hosts, uh, my father, Jerome Battle. What's up? Glad to be Jerome. here, man. Finally meet you in person. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate you for having us, bro. Nah, this is something that's long overdue. We should have been done oh, yeah. this, but uh, sure. and I definitely look forward to it. First time I seen y'all, and plus we in the same area. Mm -hmm. That's right. I was like, man, I gotta do something with these guys. You know how some people won't reach out. They'll like, they'll like something, but that's they right. won't reach out. I'm yeah. like, I'm not afraid to say I love, I love y'all podcast. I'm not afraid that you know how people. Oh, that's. That's, that's right. D riding right. and all of that, yeah. but I'm not afraid to say whatever I like, I like. Absolutely. Like, if I don't like it, I'm just not gonna say nothing. That's right. Yeah, that, you that's get what a, I'm saying. That's, that's a black problem too, because you know we could have easily looked at each other like competition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now nah, we just we're trying to actually give out information to our people. Yeah. So it's more about collaboration and building those resources, building that information. Um, things we agree with, things we don't disagree with, but still give the information out to our yeah. people. The competition when we all trying to make it. Yeah, so why not just all join forces, share each other's resources, and then we all blow up, and then we could be competition later. Right. Yeah, like, right. but let's all blow up. Like, right. like I, I never got that. Like, why should I feel like we both we both in the bottom on the bottom? Is it where I can? Yeah, you good? Oh, you good. You good. yo, come to the back. Come to the back. Man, he didn't just came and messed up the flow. <laughs> Damn. Oh, so y'all y'all edited and all that? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Y'all y'all self-contained yeah, unit. Professionals. professionals. Oh yeah. Hey, you got to. Yeah. Man. See. Like, yeah. We old that we ain't doing. I, ain't. I actually got to man because like I have a I have a hard time. And you was pops. Yeah. 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 My sons, man. My sons. You had them young, right? Yeah. About 17? 18. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got to do it myself. I have a hard time. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I remember he said, yeah, my pops is coming. Yeah. I said, his pops ain't on no podcast. <laughs> his pops ain't on a podcast. What he I never told you that. I'm like, Yo, this, I don't know. Is this brother a little crazy? Because he said, my pops is coming. I said, his pops ain't on the podcast. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So, you, so, you know, I'm thrilled to be with these dudes, man. Oh, yeah. Doing what they're doing, man. And then to be a part of it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and to do it with your son is. So then I know he came from good stock. So you, you taught him at a young age. Nah, they taught me. Oh, yeah, they they taught me. You man. boy, these these guys, man, have been. You know, I, I talked to them about Black History when they were young. They grew up listening to the rap music that I listened to, and I would talk about the rap artists. I don't know if they told you, but my cousin is Jazzo. You know, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Cousin. Oh yeah, he from Bedford, right? Yeah, yeah. So so you know, they, they grew up hearing the stories about me and Jazz and Jay and all the all that yeah. stuff, man. So as they got a little He older, was part of the Ansar Law community. Yeah, 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 on mm -hmm. that To Your Soul album. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just just having them grow up with that information and then deciding as adults to put that in perspective with what they see, yeah. man, is huge. It's man, huge. okay. So then, you were you part of the answer? And, and originally, that that's that was my first 
I would say understanding of of Islam because for, for mine's me, also for that's me, why when I say that. When I first that. started thinking about religion, I had questions about the Bible and things that we were learning in the Bible. So I had no association with any other religion. I was Baptist. But yeah. I had questions. And then yeah. when I went to people to get answers, of course, they gave me an answer based on what they believed. Instead yeah. of saying, I can see how people interpret it that way. Yeah. I didn't get that. Coming up, I was Catholic. Because mm-hmm. uh, my family, uh, my mother is Puerto Rican. Okay. So I um, so come, you know, most Puerto Ricans are Catholic. So That's I right. came up Catholic. But I used to be in there like, man, this shit is boring. I used to be like, like, and why we gotta listen to the to this white man? Like I always been like that. Like I, I just didn't agree with it, and it seemed demonic. Like I was swearing, like, like the nigga floats when he comes up to the thing, cause he had the long gown on, and I, and in my head I'm hearing he huh yeah, Damian. Yeah. So I'm like, nah, this is crazy. So it was this lady in my building. She used to always talk. Uh, this gospel stuff. So I'm like, man, I used to see it on church. Right. Like, I mean, like, on, like, like on TV. Right. I mean, Cause like Angelus in my time growing up in New York, it wasn't a lot of Baptist churches. Okay. Like it was all Catholic right. for the most part. So I'm like, man, I, that, that look nice. You know, they singing, they, it's honey dips in there. I'm like, man, I want to go there. So I asked her about her church. She brought me to her church. So that's how I've, I became Baptist. Then I'm just like, Nah, this, yeah. ain't, this ain't it. And then I um I met this kid in school. He was always mad different. He knew how to talk different. I'm like, man, what's up with this nigga? And every time he'll say something, he would equate it to like bringing it back to being black. And I'm like, man, black people ain't. I was starting to coon. Right. And I was like, yeah. black people ain't do this. <laughs> they ain't do that. They ain't do this. They ain't do that. And he was like, he was, I'm like, where you get that information from? Yeah, he was a he was he was a five percenter. So I started learning the five percent nation. And then from there I got into the um Ansar Law community. Cause I felt like it was going up. So then I just like started joining everything, different movements I could join and just learn. Pick yeah, yeah, picked out of the hat with with and I think Islam feel the best to me. Right. More than any other chamber I wanted. I even became a Mason because I wanted to see. Like, I wanted to see if that shit was real. Right. Like, if these niggas was going to do a deep. That shit is nothing but another church. Yeah. I'm right. telling yeah. you, it's nothing yeah. but a church. They don't have no secret knowledge. Yeah. I tried. I became a 32nd just to see. Yeah. I, I I can't become a 33rd because I'm not 44 years old. You can't do that until you're That's 44 right. years old, become mm-hmm. a 33rd degree Mason. So, from the 32nd on down. This shit is nothing but hogwash bullshit, which you already know. Like, Yo, it's funny about the Masons. I got a story for you real quick, right? So about about four years ago, you know, I was doing motivational speaking or working in the community, and one of my coworkers who was part of the White Masons yeah. in Bedford. So he was like, um, "Yo, we doing an award for a community award, and I nominated you." And so I'm like, man, I ain't trying to go to no Mason's Lodge. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's about to be what. You know yeah. what I mean? And of course, the black Mason's Lodge and the white Mason's Lodge are totally different. Totally different. So I get there, get the award. Yo, I promise you, man, these white people was looking at me like, like they was ready to hang me, bro. Like, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, bro. Like, and then at the at the end of the joint, my boy was like, yo, like the guy I work with, he was like, 
you probably the first black person to ever step into this lodge. Wow. And you know, is- you know, in the South, as far as masonry goes, they just started viewing black people in 2006 mm-hmm. as a man. Yeah. Like in the North, the, the black and white masons kind of always been together. Mm-hmm. But in the South, it's always been separated. It's, it's always, it's still 2006, separate, they got something called the, the compact where now, now certain white lodges, you know, black people, we're going to accept everybody, but white, certain white lodges won't accept us. They still say we're not a Mason. Yeah. Right. So in 2006, when they started this is when we just like here in Roanoke, we are, we are connected now to the white lodge. Not that far from here, about five minutes. It's called Lakeland Lodge, and um, but I know what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like as far as masonry, to to have a chapter in masonry, you have to have it's called a charter, mm-hmm. which I don't agree with none of this because you have to go to England and get the charter. How would masonry come from us? That's just a whole different story. Right, right, yeah. We 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 supposed to give out the charters or whatever. Right. So Prince Hall is the father of black masonry here mm-hmm. in America. Um, I like look him up. Prince Hall. Um, he was a white man. To me, he was a white man. His mother was mixed. His, his mother was mixed. and His father was white. To me, that's a white man. Right. right. So he was able to move around and moonlight as a white man, but he was positive because he would teach kids. Mm-hmm. Cause at the time it was against the law for black he people teach, to learn. So right. he would teach them. But he will be disguised as a white man because he looked like a white man. Right. Uh, some people say um, Prince Hall was really Benjamin Banneker. But that's a whole... Yeah, that's a whole, yeah, story, that's yeah. a whole nother story, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he went to England and got the charter for masonry for black people. They gave him the charter. White people just used the, I'm white and I say so. And they made their own charter and say, so those white lodges... Ain't really Masons. Mm-hmm. They don't have the charter according to right. Masonry. They don't have a charter from They're private clubs. From, no, but they put the Grand Lodge <laughs> under pressure in England and said, "We are Masons," and they came and said, "All right, you guys can be Masons." But you know, without putting no work in. But you know, most of the ones in the South are social clubs. Yeah, that's why they can't. That's why they have their, their private clubs that say that they don't have to admit black people. That's the only way they were able to do it. Yeah. 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 In uh, black lodges, now I could say, if you go to white lodges, they will do the rituals the proper way. Mm-hmm. Black lodges, they've made all African-American lodges into a sweet Baptist holy church. So they'll start doing the same thing they do in church, and you're like, hold up, this ain't masonry. Right, right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they'll start going crazy like it's just... But I learned it was all hogwash. Right. I joined it at first just to see if, yo, these, these niggas really going to go crazy? Like, we going to eat a body? Is they right. Like, it was like a science project. I just be doing that. Like, I get in something and see. But I noticed from the Masons to gangs to the mosque to the church to everything in the South. Now, I'm not going to say the whole South. I'm going to say this area. There's no brotherhood and nothing. No. Oh no. No, no we, gang in this area has brotherhood. No lodge, no church, no mosque. Uh-huh. None of that. Uh-huh. Now, if you want to see that, you go other places like 
Say I go to D.C. Uh, as being a Mason. It's like being a superstar. Mm-hmm. Literally. It's like being a superstar. If 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 you go other places, like if I go to the mosque in New York, like just walking around New York with my kufi on, it's like I know nobody gonna rob me or nothing. Is mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying? It's right, like right. it's like it's like a pass everywhere. But here, nothing means nothing. But you know that goes back to what you said in the beginning. It's because we we're complacent, so there's no there's no brotherhood because there's no need for the unity, right? Mm, if yeah. you have need for the unity, and we talk about it all the time, if somebody was to come knock on your door today and said, "Look, we're recruiting all black people for this cause," that you may not come home tonight. How many people gonna get up and go? Yeah, right. Yeah. Many man, the kids yeah. gotta go to ballet practice. Kids gotta go. Somebody gotta take them. I gotta take them. I, I, somebody else gonna have to do your part, mm-hmm. right? We just don't have that level of commitment and unity because people look at issues based on how does it affect them. Them. And if it doesn't affect them today, they're not going to really worry about it. Yeah, we're not, as far as people, we're not worrying about our future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, like any other race of people, they they look at their future. Like Absolutely. What, do you think sacrifices have anything to do with that? Because when we look at the North and the South, historically... It's always been like that. Yeah. You know, even if you look at the Nation of Islam that was coming out of the New York, the Detroits, the Chicago's versus the civil rights movement coming out of the South, there was always infiltration from white America inside these organizations. So there's never been a brotherhood of just African-Americans really from the South. Yeah. You know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, we will be ready as a people when the southern man wakes up. That's right. Right. You the, get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That- it's because it's the, the location determines the mentality. So you take the, the black man from the south, mentality is completely different than a black man from the north. Right. Yeah. Completely different. Up north, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be more vocal. Where in the south, they're going to be more passive. Right. Why? Because we feel like they're letting us do something. And there's another <clears throat> thing with that also, though. Like, in the south, like, growing up, I grew up in New York. I ain't even have white neighbors. Only white people I seen was cops. And if you were trying to buy drugs or you was looking for trannies. Right. That's the only time I seen like real white people. Uh And so I didn't have the like growing up. My first girlfriend wasn't white. You know, like how most here you went to school, your neighbors. So you have, you have a, you have a different love for white people. We have to seen, deal with each other. Yeah. Because like, you have to I thought all white people live like boy meets world. Right. <laughs> like, that's how I thought. Like, right. and then besides them, like, always coming to get trannies because my neighborhood was like a whole stroll. So all white men, I, I always, like, growing up, right. I was like, yo, all white men just want trannies. Or, or they the look first, for trannies. The yeah. white person that you, you do get to know you start thinking that they are indicative of all white people. And that's, exactly. what, that's what we did. Yeah. When I grew up, we had one white person lived in our district. I was born and raised in D.C. Yeah. And we had a white guy that lived right next to us who hated black people. And he was the only white person in the whole area. So we assumed that all white people was just like him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So whenever you encounter them, you assume they don't like you. So what do you do? Yeah. I don't like you either. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you buckle down. And that was that's how we dealt with white people. But black people, we got so much good hearts with everybody else. We get everybody like, benefited. Today. Like, say if any other race been through what the black race been through, they will be. You could say they okay to hate that other race that put them through that right. oppression, yeah. Yeah. right? 
like say with the the so-called Jews, mm-hmm. they hate the Germans, the Nazis proudly, and, and we cheer them on like yeah, hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. Hate them. But we don't. But we love the white man with all of our heart and soul. That's right. The the most forgiving people in the world. The most forgiving people, yes. even white people. If you tell them a secret, like, what would you? They was like, man, we would hate white people if That's we right. went through with y'all. We would if y'all did that to us, we would hate y'all. Right, and I I honestly believe, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are are Christians, but I believe a lot of that has to do with religion as well. Oh yeah, because you oh, know yeah. we're, we're taught to turn the other cheek. We're taught to forgive. We're taught to do all of those things that's biblical, but the people who really gave us that Bible in America don't practice that at all. So we became exactly what they wanted us to do by taking on this religion, by being forgiven, by turning the other cheek, by waiting for our heaven in the afterlife instead of doing, taking care of what we got to take care of right now for not just for ourselves, but for our, that we forgot to tell them we'll forgive you, but we need you to tell the truth about it. I think we allowed them. And in certain senses, we could go back to the to the 60s. And I think that black people wanted to suppress the truth. I think yeah. we're part of the problem with how black history developed mm-hmm. is yeah. that we did not want them to talk about slavery because we didn't want them. We all talk about roots when we were in school. The first time they showed yeah. roots in school, how we felt white people were looking at us. Instead of us worried about the history and how mm-hmm. we wanted people to know the history, we start thinking that people are looking at that movie, now they're looking at me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When we should have been saying, yeah, look at the movie, look at me because I am a product of that, but so are you, right? right? Yeah. And in order for you to know that, you need mm. to watch this. Right. Mm-hmm. And and But black people didn't want to watch it either. Yeah. So I think that we was part of And that problem. hurts because there's yeah. there's two sides of, of slavery. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you got the enslaved African and then you have the slave masters or the people who stay silent right. about it. And white America needs to know about slavery, not just because of the enslaved Africans, but the history of the way we were treated by right. your ancestors. And, and the, Even the fact th- the development of the two Americas, because that's where it starts, right? So the mentality of the white of the white America and then the mentality of the black, that's where it started. Right. Yeah. So you want to know how we got to be what people considered the black angry man or whatever. We got mm-hmm. to that because of, that part of history right. that now you don't even want to be truthful about. Right. That helped shape. We talk about what shaped America, right? We, you see, you see episodes all the time on yeah. History Channel. This is what shaped America. Right. But what shaped the minds of America mm-hmm. is important because what shaped um, white America, what shaped their minds, could be totally different than what shaped Black America's right. minds. Yeah, but you know what's most important? The slavery thing was a, um, and that and this is not to change the subject, is a big distraction. Cause it's only like four percent of us came from Africa. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what about the people that was here <laughs> that already? Was here. Most right. of us was here. Like they, that was the biggest lie they the ever told lie. us. Like mm-hmm. they bought a hundred million in the fifteen hundreds mm-hmm. on a boat here. That, how does that make sense? Right. That's right. How does that right. make sense? We were already here. So when they was running away, where was they running to? That's right. You yeah, get what right, I'm saying? Right. Because especially if you look at places How we like, knew the uh, lands. How right. how how white people always used us as navigators. Lewis and Clark, they that's used right. Ben York. Yeah. As a why did that's they right. use Ben York, a black man, to go talk to these native tribes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can because we're this, the original you can native look at people. The Spanish Absolutely. conquistadors going yes. west. You can look at um 
Jamaica with the Maroons. Yes. How, you know, they escaped to the mountains. But how was these people able to survive without knowing the area and the territory? Yeah. Import and export. Or just Christopher Columbus. He said in his journals, you can go to D.C. and see in his journals. He said he seen black. He said he seen Ethiopians. You know, at the time they called us Ethiopians. He said he seen Ethiopians over here. But the trade routes that they took. To get, if you talk about going to New Mexico, the trade routes that they took to get there, who they, who, who did they think was taking those trade? Right, comes right yeah. out, of, comes out of right of, out of West Africa uh, where absolutely. Christopher Columbus who, was who living. Who did they think yeah. created those? Found those trade right. routes, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and if we the oldest people on the planet, like I always tell people, say, "Oh no, we wasn't here in America." If we were here. Thousands of like science proved this. This is Absolutely. like this is like no mumbo jumbo. Science proved this. If the black race was here thousands of years before there was even a white race or even a a, a, a Chinese race, an Asian race. That's right. When, if we were here before all of these races, what you thought? We just stayed in one area and it we, didn't like like the, the human mind would say <laughs> is you ever just driving and you say, Nah, I never been up that street. Yeah. Let me go up this street. Just the human mind right. gonna be like I could see as far as that, but you know what? Let me go over there. Right. And then let me go over there. And then like, they, they there's just believe, naturally. They want you to believe. Because the white race only been here less than 6,000 years. That's just a scientific fact. They want you to believe that exploration started with the Vikings, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what they want yeah. you to believe, right? Yeah. It started with the Vikings. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy, man. But how do you, what can change that as far as people? I always say the church. If we want to change black people, I always say the church. Because the church is the cornerstone of the black community, or was the cornerstone of the black community. Like T.D. Jakes could change the plot of black people overnight. Right. If he talks some truth. But the change happens because we, you know, you look at the 60s and you look at Dr. King and you look at these deacons and these pastors who were out from the civil rights movement. What ended up happening was the church started getting funded by the government. So they started not being able to speak about these things. This is why you don't see pastors talking about Black Lives Matter. You don't yeah. see pastors yeah. out in the what front we lines. Were just talking yeah. about before. Be- right. Sometimes that paycheck or that support determines the level of information you're willing to disseminate. But is it worth selling out your people? Well, here, here, here's the other part. We, 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 and this is this is great intro, because we we're, we're going to talk about accountability, and this yeah. is part of it. So when you talk about cornerstones of the black community, you talk about the church. When you talk about businesses, you talk about barbershops. You're talking about black owned businesses. These become yeah. the cornerstones in black communities, right? Mm-hmm. What happens when you lose trust in those people due to accountability issues? We can go back to the Southern Baptist Church. We can go back to Martin Luther King. We can talk about how, as time went on, some things about those churches being exploited and some of the things that they were doing that wasn't necessarily right, mm-hmm. how that tapped into the black accountability mm. to where blacks lost faith in those things. Not, not you even think about just, Jesse Jackson. Um, no bigger person in NAACP and Operation Push than Jesse Jackson. Do you yeah. do you even hear about him anymore? Nah. No. Because of Is all he the, still living? Yeah, I know he had at, COVID. That's the, that's yeah, the funny thing. He's still living, but he's not as influential. Why? He doesn't have the trust of the people anymore. 
Yeah. They lost that trust yeah. due to accountability issues. And we can talk about why they lost. And we can talk about, I, I love the fact that I believe that compensation sometimes determines the amount of information somebody's willing to give. I believe mm-hmm. that because if it affects their family, if it affects yeah. what they're bringing yeah. home at, the, at yeah. the end of the day, we've seen evidence of it. They're not going to say anything. Yeah. You know? I think like certain things, I think like as far as Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, I believe they were fighting for us, but I believe they done their families and injustice and injustice. Absolutely. Right. Cause Malcolm they wasn't like, there. Like he didn't have, yeah, they wasn't there all. for their families. Absolutely. Like before, like, and I tell this to Jordan all the time, like, some you have to worry about your own family first. Right. Absolutely. Like it's nothing wrong with like, hold on. I, my family got to eat first yeah, yeah. before I feed the rest of the. Like you doing your your own family a, a injustice. That's like right. not not you worrying about the world. Like I feel like all of these organizations and groups they have stupid movements. Like make sure kids have basketballs. Like. That's just some, like, and I tell that dude, he'd be like, no, you got to make sure. No, that's some stupid shit. Like, make sure a kid have a basketball. Or make sure everyone gets a hug. Mm-hmm. Like, now nah, we got bigger fish than fried and make sure a kid get a basketball and all this stuff. We got to worry about our own first. And, and sometimes when I say my own, I'm saying, like, yo, the whole black race. Yeah. We have yeah. to be selfish now. Exactly. We have to be and let everybody else hold their own nuts. Yeah, you have to be selfish. I mean, it's the same principle. When you want to, when you want better for yourself, yeah. whether it's you want a better education or you want to be a better person, you want to learn a trade, you want to make more money, you have to be selfish and you have to do whatever it takes to get to that point, right? Yeah. So you can't worry about everybody else. The same yeah. thing works for for u- unity when it comes to our race. If mm-hmm. we want to better for our race, then one, we got to unite. We got to come up with a common agenda. And then we got to yeah. have a plan to put forth to be able to do it. We can't do that. We can't get a we can't get black people to agree on much of anything. Yeah. Why? I feel that some people feel like I'm I'm good. I, I'm complacent. I got what I want. I'm content. And, and and that's what complacency is. You're content with what you have, and none of this other stuff that we're talking about affects you in your daily life. So you're good. Hey go join right here. Now I try to mix comedy and with Social issues, yeah, like, like you know what I mean. Interviews, your hosting job is a one for real. I'm trying to get better. Nah, y'all join this a one. Almost a year. I love y'all show. Yeah, he started. Um, he started February last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you started a month before me. I work. Yeah. yeah, I started March, and it was it was my lady who pushed me. I would have never done it. She really, really pushed me to do it. Like, you need to do your podcast. Because she was like, I'm tired of you listening to Tariq Nasheed. <laughs> she was like, I need you to do your thing. Because yeah. I kept talking. Remember, I've been saying it for years. I've been saying it for years. I'm, I'm about to do my podcast. I was looking at a, um, a, a Facebook, um, you know, the throwback stuff that came. Yeah. I was saying this in 2014. And finally, you finally you that I was doing the park. I wow. said new Wabu order podcast coming soon. <laughs> and, wow. and I had people like, all right, when I'm gonna tune in. I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna tune in. And I just kept talking about it. Finally put it into action though. Yeah, I just ain't have nobody with the the technical part yeah. to do all of that stuff. And then he introduced me to Brandon. But I don't know what that's I, going with. I had the cameras, I ain't had no mic, so Oh, I had a, some lapel mics that I used when I was speaking, 
but I just went to went to went on Amazon and got like three mics that was like eighty dollars. I mean, it did the job, but I couldn't yeah. do couldn't go out like three hundred dollars on three mics and have my wife looking at me like, "Yo." Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Walls, mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking to this guy from the county, so I'm like, "Man, why y'all like? Why are you so pro white?" Like he was saying crazy stuff. Like this white rapper named Haystack was better than Jay Z. <laughs> Like he was like he said, all black women is ugly. Um, Cameron Diaz. That's why I always say, um, talk to a county guy and ask him who's the best looking white woman. They all say Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz. <laughs> right? So he say Cameron Diaz looks better than Beyonce. All black women is ugly, and I'm like, yo, you nigga sick. Like they like people was getting ready to touch him up in there to get him up out of there, and we like yo, and then he broke down. He was like. Well, the reason I, I I'm into uh, white women because where I'm from, I'm related to everybody black. Yeah, so he was like, I have to. He was like, when I'm a date a man, so he was like, I have to. I had, to, and I never looked at it like that. Like, wow, it's like if you want to in a small area, it's a good chance. And if they're not your family, it's like they like family. They like like family. we might as well be family. Your family like, and been with the, been with yeah. the person before. So now I can understand, like, I'm going to go over here and get this white woman. Like, because they right there and they, they willing, like, yeah. hey, you got meth? We're going to do our thing. They, they, do like, got, they got transportation. You could go somewhere else and get a woman. <laughs> That's how I look at it. That's you know, how I look at it. You can. Else. You 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 can you can come down, but it's a good chance people from and in, in, in the city is your family. Yeah. Because if if it's a small town outside of a city, yeah. you already know a lot of the people in that city come from that small town. As long as you ain't going to Tennessee or Georgia, you can go wherever you want and get a woman, right? Yeah. He hates yeah. Southern states. So. <laughs> oh, you hate Southern states. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> now you know what. I used to be anti-South, even though I lived in the South for years. So this my last trip to New York. It's a couple of weeks ago. I realized I'm a country boy now. Like, New York is disgusting. I'm with you. I like I, Virginia, but I, I don't want to go much like, further south than Virginia. Like, now I realize. <laughs> I'm with you. I realize I like trees. I like good air. I like parking you spots. Like parking. You like parking. Uh, yeah. yeah, like yeah. it's a lot of things like that I like, like people not living on top of you. Or, like, yeah, you got those old cities like New York and Chicago. You can't build out. So yeah, you got to build up. up. Yeah. yeah, and you putting all these people in these small areas. We always joke about people talk about New York, New York City, and people think New York City is you know thirty, forty miles or, or larger. It's not. Yeah, New yeah. York City is small. Yeah, you know, yeah. you just got ten million people there. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like now it's even more like growing up, at least it was like some type of parking spots. Right. Now, like now it's cars double and triple parked everywhere. What part of New York are you from? The Bronx. Okay. Yeah. The only part you could be from. <laughs> yeah. But uh Yeah. But uh it, it was it, it it was like a different I went to my old neighborhood and I'm standing there. Uh and there's tons of people outside. And this is an area my family lived there for like a hundred years. I don't know nobody. Not one person. I'm looking around like, who's this? Who's that? Who's that person? Who's that person? Like, I don't, and they looking at me crazy. 
I got to call my homeboy that's still living in the neighborhood like, yo, I'm standing right where guys trap at. So they looking at me like, yo, who this dude right here? I'm telling my man, like, man, I think they getting ready to jump on me. <laughs> like, like he like, man, put me on FaceTime. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. No, nah, nah, he like, so so he could tell them, like, chill out. Like, if they getting ready to yeah. do something. But I'm like. Whole neighborhood. Yeah, and, like, that was a place I never thought would have changed. That much. Yeah, but then I'm like, damn. And then I'm thinking about it, like, my age. I'm not a, a young kid no more. So I'm like, most of the people I know is gone. They either yeah. dead or, or they moved on or, you know, it's a big thing. Everybody's moving to the South because like now, right now in, in, in New York, it's not a lot of foundational black Americans. That's right. You know what I mean? Like it's the only black people is like Africans, Jamaicans, mm -hmm. all that foundational black Americans are coming back to the South. Like where they can flourish, right? Yeah, I mean, if, you know, you come from the north, you could take two hundred thousand dollars, buy a home in, in yeah. the south, yeah, and you're good. You know, you retire. I say all black people should move to the south. What happened is you don't want to have an influx in, in in the black community, population wise, but control nothing in that environment. That. That's what you don't want. So you get all those black people to move there, but they don't control the government. They control law enforcement. They don't control and, and control the revenue or anything. No, they're not going to allow us. So, but so, then that, but then after a while, that would force us to want to do that. And if we so strong all in the southern region, think about if was it forty million of us? But are we just are we moving back to the south with the minds that we have now? Are you're gonna have to come to closer. Are we moving back to the south with it? different mindset cuz you can't move to the south right you can't move that's a good question thousand people from new york to the south right now and they not just they new york know. just like well, everywhere just california yeah, everywhere got, you're right they got to change their mindset yeah, yeah. what about be, what we talked about earlier how we talked about how we could have easily been competition now you got these new blacks moving in from south and now that's competition for our jobs yeah you know what I mean? that's competition for our businesses because new york people probably better sales persons or entrepreneurs yeah. than South people because of the way y'all talk, y'all can, you know what I mean? Yeah, but then that's when we could take over the other races, their jobs. Mm -hmm. And they, and they, I, I, I just say, why not? As long as, well, one, to get people, to get, we talked about this before the podcast came on, is getting black people to agree on an agenda. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's, when I was young, I read a book called called The Siege. I know people probably remember the movie called The Siege. Yeah. The book was a little different. Yeah. And in the book, black people wanted to take over Manhattan. So all black people come to Manhattan, that was going to be ours. Mm. And black people that lived in Manhattan said, wait a minute, you don't speak for us. <laughs> wow. You don't speak for us. That's the problem is, is that it's going to be difficult to get black people to agree on the agenda. Yeah, yeah. That's the question I got for y'all. Who does speak for us? Who will we be considered an African-American leader for, for the black people? Um, I think if multiple people will tell you multiple different things, but I don't think we have a universal person right. that speaks for us. I would, of course, say Minister Louis Farrakhan, but somebody else would say somebody else or some, mm -hmm. I don't think we have a universal person that we can say, yeah, nah, nah, he speaks for us. We don't. And if you think about the ones that we had before, there was something that happened. And usually it was something from our race that brought that person down. And I know all you guys are too young to remember when Al Sharpton was really big 
No, no. Nah, nah, being that spokesperson. I remember when he got stabbed at Howard Beach. Right. Do you remember what was his downfall that he lost his credibility? Getting that perm? No. Tawana Brawley. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tawana Brawley. Okay, yeah. What Tawana Brawley did is she said she got raped by six white police officers. I don't know if they were police officers or not, but it was some white people. And you know why I believe her? And everybody believed her. I believe Tawana Brawley. Everybody believed her, including Al Sharpton, who went to bat for her publicly. And that was probably the first instance where you had a black other than Martin Luther King or Jesse Jackson that went public about an individual that wasn't a celebrity. And he found out afterwards that the whole story was made up. And after that, his credibility was shot. Mm -hmm. And once again, we talked about accountability. The problem with accountability is you have to have an establishment that has the respect of the people. Yes. And in this case, I don't know that we really have somebody that has the respect of the people that you can unify. Mm -hmm. Barack Obama could not have spoken for black people. He was the president of all people. So he couldn't have mm -hmm. spoke for us. So he couldn't have been that person. So right now we don't have that person, which is not necessarily a bad thing because if you have yeah. one person, if you, the head could be shot down, right? Remember mm -hmm. the black Panthers. The right. reason that they had leaders in a lot of different locations is so if you take out one, it doesn't stop the progress. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I don't, I don't think we ever had one leader that spoke for all black people. Cause if you think back to the sixties, Malcolm X was radical. That's right. right. So he didn't speak for, you know, the ones who wanted to even Martin Luther King. Martin. Cause right. 60% of the black Martin churches didn't exactly. mess with him. Yeah. Right. But I think back then, the struggle was more unified. That's right. Today, we have, you know, good, decent jobs. We live in nice neighborhoods. We drive nice cars. We, we, we got we're content. going on. We're content. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. they, then, yeah, we got our nigga trinkets. Back then, you had to come through the back door. You had everybody, to, did. everybody, everybody did. Everybody did. That's so right. It was, it was different then, so it was easier for Martin Luther King to say, hey, this is the camera not right. See him. This yeah. is not right. But then you have Malcolm X up north saying, y'all folks down south, you turn another cheek is not going to help anything. Right. Exactly. So it, I don't know if we ever had that one person, but if you look back in history, I would probably say it was Martin Luther King because he had much. But I don't think nobody got that one person, but white people have a system. Yeah. Well, they have a system. Well, even if they're one person, I think they still communicate a little bit to more to where it is more unified than ours yeah. because they have right. a system. He's they right. based it on white supremacy, That's right. which is a system that all of them, no matter who they are, participate in it knowingly or unknowingly. That's right. Mm -hmm. They all all white because, people participate right. in white because supremacy. That system starts with the educational system, right? Yes. So you can start there, and then you can go down from there. But yeah. he's absolutely right. Um, if you add in the government, that's part of that same system, mm -hmm. including Eminem. He participates in <laughs> white supremacy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, that's just for the people out there. They're going to say not all white people. I said unknowingly, not to say all white uh, people unknowingly. That's right. are, are white supremacists, but unknowingly, they all participate in white supremacy. As Samuel right. Jackson said in A Time to Kill, you don't mean to be, you just are. Right? Yeah, yeah. You help, but it's not your fault. It's yeah. based off of systematic racism. A lot of white people benefit from yeah. you know, yeah. black hurt. Yes, yes. Like you said, whether it's intentional right. or not, yes. it doesn't matter. Right? Yes. But what can they do if they, like say if white people come to us and say, hey, we're not part of this. What should they do next? What's the next step? They're not a part of what? Uh, this whole racism white, and discrimination. Yeah, 
against black coming to us saying yeah like not not just us i'm talking about like to the black people say hey nah we ain't down with all of that you know in the 60s like if it was a bunch of john browns and they came and said we're not down with that student went to malcolm x and said hey what can we do yeah what can i do to help and initially he told her nothing right Right. and then later on he thought you know what what he should have told her was what you can do is go back to your family Go back to your community, mm-hmm. go back to your employers and employ fellow employees and talk to them about the things that they're doing that's discriminatory or racist. Mm. That's what you can do. If you really don't believe in it, then you need to stand up against it when it happens, whether it's your family or not. You need to say something. That's what they can do. That's where they start. So saying that, you know, I have one black friend or whatever, that, that that's, not, that's not it. That doesn't help, yeah. right? Yeah. That just means you love that one black person. That's yeah. all that means. What happens is when it when you see it's going it's going on, somebody's been discriminated against or something happening because that person's black, you need to stand up. That's what they can do. The problem yeah. with that is you're not gonna get many people that's gonna do that. Because again, white people are content. That's right. right. Yeah, of course. Content, of course. But white people are content to Who's not content with being on top? Right. Yeah. Cause that, that's my answer is if we were on top, we would be content also. Right, I, I would say you got to take yourself out the <coughs> equation because if you're willing to do something for black America, you have to understand that you don't get any results from that. Just black America does. So you have to take yourself out of the equation. I, and from my perspective, is it's my own experience because as a motivational speaker, as a person that worked in the community, as a person who was going to the schools, mentoring and all these other things, you know, most of my support came from white people. Mm-hmm. But the minute we started our podcast talking about black history, those white people went silent. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah, you know they stopped hitting the like button, they stopped hitting the share button. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As they so, should. Right. So the the problem is, if it's not benefiting you or your kids, you don't want to say anything. But for the people that we're talking about, are the kids that are in school with your kids. So you have to be in to not just be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist. And anti-racist means you don't allow the black jokes when you're around. You don't allow the racism talks when you're around. You correct family members, the people that you love. You correct all of these people because it's something that you stand against, not just something that you don't do. But I like my racist blade. I I don't want it hidden. Right. I don't think it's something we can never. I want to know. See, see, you, you're like it in the south, then. Yeah, see, see, north, because yeah, yeah. See, see up north, you you go into the store. They might not like you, but they'll take your money. Yeah, you yeah. go in the south. You see the nigga yeah, only I, yeah. signs, the, yeah. the white only yeah. signs, right? That's how they, they I don't want, want it. Your money. So yeah, you prefer it that way. Yeah, because now I want like I don't want to support you because yeah. I know that money is gonna go to buy bullets to kill right. black people. That's right. So I I I want us to, and that would force us. Yo, we can't go in that store. Guess what? We gonna have to build our own store. So I like it. Like the other thing is like, like up north. Well, up north is just a, like the white people is way more vicious. Except they'll take up, your money up north. Yeah, like oh yeah, Doctor King says Chicago yeah, was the worst place. They, they are. But yeah, they'll, they'll take your money. That that's the the main thing is you can buy what you want. Like in the north. south, like the the white people, they still. They still gonna come to us to buy drugs, and like that's just they racist until drugs come into play. Hey, buddy, they still gonna come to us to buy drugs. They still gonna come to the college football game. They still gonna try to mess with black women. They still gonna listen to um rap music and all of that. They still gonna do all of that stuff. Up north, the white people are hardcore white supremacists. Hardcore. They not on these drugs as much. But they still go to black events. Who up north? Nah. 
how many like a Jay Z concert. That's how, about how it. But they going to but like how many how many white folks is in the, is in Madison Square Garden in a, in a New York game watching all those black folks? That's right. I mean, well, that's Not everywhere. Everywhere. On the team. But that's it's black culture. If you if you go to a, you go to a concert up in New York, majority of that crowd are going to be white young college kids at that concert. It's yeah. Black coach, but that, but that's everywhere though. And I, I think you, you made a valid point. Is in if, if you, any of you guys watched some some footage on Denzel Washington the last couple of weeks, he said the same thing. People talk about him uh, directing and producing certain movies that's black oriented movies. He said it's not necessarily color; it's culture, and I, I think that's huge. What you just said is a lot of it has nothing to do with color; it's the culture. Mm-hmm. The culture of an NBA basketball game in Madison Square Garden. Most of those people that go to games at the Garden, you've been to the Garden before, right? Yeah. Most of those people don't know a damn thing about basketball. They're going for, it's, the, yeah. they're going for the experience. That's all it is. It's just the experience mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know? I think I just think black culture in general is just so overwhelming that it's hard to get away from it, even if you try. It's just, it's just hard, so hard to get away from it. And that's yeah, why a yeah, lot they, of white people they can't Florida, shake us. A lot of white people in the South, they, that's why they always at our events, always trying to dress like us, talk like Man, us. Get on, it, get on it's TikTok. The, it's the, TikTok it's the original fabric yeah. of this yeah, of, just, of this world. It's yeah, it's the original fabric yeah. of the world. Yeah, so of course, it's the original fabric of this country. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. A fact. We talk about that when we talk about the Harlem Renaissance, right? You know, but they love entertainment bias. They love it. They love to be entertained. Well, what they bias. love is they love the opportunity of figuring out how they can make money off of what we and create. not just. And I'm not just saying white people. I'm saying all people, a- anybody, anybody that's we non-black. Make it, they take it. I mean, that's that's you. You know, you you know yeah. that the anthem in, in New York, yeah. Brooklyn keeps on making it. Bronx keep on taking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's that. In, in theory, that's that's what they do. We create it, they take it. Uh, the first patent for shoes was made by a black man, but they won't tell you that. But they'll tell you that a kid in Chicago got killed for a pair of Jordans, right? Yeah, they'll tell uh-huh. you that, right? right? Yeah. So you know, the old school goes the only invention that a white man made was the pad. The pad dolphin. That's right. That's right. Last night, me and Jordan had this uh, debate. Was it last night or night before last about the? I'm going back to the accountability. Uh, and what you had said? I was basically just saying it, it, it stemmed off of <coughs> the, um, the Antonio Brown situation. <laughs> and so basically what I was saying was after everything came out, Antonio Brown, you know, if he was told to be, if he was, if he was cut because he wouldn't go back in because of his ankle, that's wrong on the Buccaneers, on the coach, all that. But after that, Clearly, Antonio Brown wanted to show up the Buccaneers and the coach. When he took his jersey off, he doing all that with the crowd. And so I was going back to the mental health aspect of Antonio Brown and black people in general, black men in general. And so people were defending it, saying, no, it wasn't anything mental health or anything like that. And I was saying, when as a community are we going to start holding ourselves accountable for the way that we treat our community? Uh-huh. And so I put on Facebook the other, you know, the other day. When are we? When are, when are when are we going to take care of us? The accountability situation. And so me and Wabu were debating back and forth, and I was saying that it's easier for us to hold us accountable than to hold somebody else out of our community accountable. That's right. And Wabu was saying, and I agree with him on this aspect of somebody put us in this situation. So we have to hold whoever put us in this horrible situation, this horrible condition, white folks, we have to hold them accountable as well. 
but my brother to my right, I should be able, I should trust him, be able to trust you more than I trust the white guy down the street more. Mm-hmm. Because you look like me, you've been through the same struggles as me. You you see every day what I go through. So the whole accountability topic was what we were talking about the other day. And I was just saying that we as a community have to start holding ourselves more accountable on how we behave, especially the ones who know better. Right. Yeah, I, that's a great point, man. And, you know, when you talk about accountability, especially specific to Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. he, you can't forget history. And I know I know people can change. Right. We I know I've, I've certainly you guys watched the podcast. I went to prison before. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like I, I won't say that I may have changed the way I think. I will say that I changed the way I react to the way I think. Right. Yeah. But you can't forget history. We, one of the reasons you started the podcast was talking about history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Antonio Brown has history of, of doing things that, not just on the football field or even related to football at all, just doing things that seem very bizarre, right? Yeah. And we know that mental health is huge, especially in the black community. Yeah. We can even talk about what's the NBA player that played with LeBron James, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, uh, West. West. Another yeah. prime example where the brother was doing things even in Cleveland there was a clear sign something was wrong. Yeah, and yeah. none of us are doctors. I'm not saying, yeah. you know, they're bipolar. I, I I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But to say that if that was one of my kids, if that was one of my friends, I would pull them to the side and say something clearly going on here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I agree. I think what you're saying is having a system of people that are putting them in that situation, where are the people that should be looking out for his best interest? Because clearly he can't do it on his own. So there should have been a team that was evaluating what they see even before Tampa Bay signed him. Let's look at the history of this guy and find out if something's going on before we sign him. Because if we sign him, he may need additional help to be able to be on this team. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. NFL, we talked about with Allen Iverson, you know, when he was got in trouble before going to Georgetown and a few other, of course, we're talking about athletes, but that's usually where you see it. Yeah. not getting the type of attention and help that they needed. Allen Iverson would have never became the Allen Iverson he, he ended up being if it wasn't but for John somebody Thompson. like John Thompson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. to step in and said, hey, yeah. I got you. I'm going to make sure. Because when he first got to Georgetown, the very first time that he met him, met John Thompson, he was high. He was smoking weed. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So he still hadn't learned, even though he had gotten out of jail on a misdemeanor that landed him in prison for five years, which I've never heard of in state yeah. of Virginia. Mm-hmm. But he still had not changed the way he was he was you know behaving. Yeah. Somebody has to be accountable for that. Should it be Antonio Brown? Of course, he's a grown man. But I think you're right. The system put him in a situation and provided no outlet whatsoever. Yeah. No help whatsoever. And I didn't know he was talking about Antonio Brown. That was new. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's where Facebook post originated. That's where yeah. Facebook post originated. See, I didn't know. I thought he was saying like <laughs> no, 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 but I, accountable. But, but that, no, but that goes. But it, but the the overall meaning of the post was, black folks need to hold black folks accountable. Yeah. That's right. You know the community. If I would have known that, I wouldn't have chimed in, because I don't really get into the uh, sports thing no more. Because it just brings out the coon in people. It does. It like black, like they just go crazy when you talk about sports. Passionate about we, it. yeah. So Passionate I don't. I'm like, damn. Let's go crazy about bigger issues that we have. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know he was saying Antonio Brown. I really don't care, because the NFL was like most NFL players. Probably ninety percent of them are vicious, tough coons that need to be stopped. 
And I just don't like to participate in that. I leave that to, like, his friends on Facebook, they argue all day long about uh, LeBron James. Did he make a dunk? Did he do that? He never scored the point. They, like, they go crazy with that. I really don't, I don't really get into it with them. I used to get into the hip-hop argument with them. This might make him mad about uh, Eminem, <laughs> that group. That there's a group in this area are like vicious, like will lay their life down for Eminem. He's he was part of the group. He don't he don't want to admit it. He don't he don't want to admit it. But he was part of the. It was a sick demonic group. I'm gonna tell y'all exactly what I said. Like I said, now, tell me if y'all disagree with this. The, the, like he why watch, watch this. Eminem, watch the watch the boule answer. Watch the boule answer. Lyricist of all time. That's exactly what I said. False. I never said he was better than I, I, False. I, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna quote, quote somebody that probably nobody in this room will ever quote. On that, I'm gonna quote Fifty Cent. A lot of people dislike Eminem because you got a white guy that can rap better than most black people, <laughs> and, and I agree with that 100. percent the bro- I don't care what color he is. This, this nigga's nice. Okay? This nigga is the nicest they ever do. Oh, so that so it's emo. What's that shit called? Emo? Yeah, it's emo. It's emo rap. That's why I said a lot of people just can't relate to emo music. rap. Ain't nobody talking about tying up their yeah, mama. Ain't nobody yeah. listening to that. But you know listen, know? I'm not trying to hear you, 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 you did sexual favors with men. <laughs> uh uh. Uh, you want to kill yourself because there's you got space and opportunity. Like there's a lot of space and opportunity. You live in the house. There's knives. There's all types of stuff. There's bridges. There's a, yeah, I'm get across done, the right? bridge. Get, get here. You can get it done. Yeah, but, That's just but, bug but, out stuff. But who was Eminem's target audience? People like him. That's right. So that, when y'all when we was in school, they loved they bleaching their hair blonde and all this other stuff. No, but kids. I mean, but. What's up with the black people? That's fa- no. The thing is, if you really like him, you could really stand. I still yet to hear something where you, even y'all show me how y'all really stand for Eminem. But see, that's that's a good point because we talk about his target audience. So we we would agree that he he's a, he's off he's off his rock a little bit, right? Yeah. So I mean, we talk about mental health. I, I've I've struggled with mental health. I've, I've yeah. been it on the podcast before. So yeah, I relate because I have some of those similar thoughts when you talk about like Joe Buttons. You know, my whole life it's it's been that way. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I can relate. Why I listen to the lyrics, and I think he's one of the better lyricists. So a part of my personality is what pushes me toward thinking that he, he's a he's a really good lyricist. So I guess I can't. Re- I love my mom. I love my mother. I think all of us do. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I love my mother. I've never done drugs. I've never done favors for a man sexually. With Eminem, had, that's what his music is all about, well, right? Not, not, not just that, but also like the that's mental a, thoughts, the things that you think about. I want to kill thing. myself? Yeah, if you ever, if, I don't know if you've ever had But I'd be thinking that's cop-outs, not just Eminem. When everybody say they want to kill themselves, it's just a 
It's not. It's, a, it's, it's, not it's, about, it's, a, it's a show me. It's not. That's it's a not. euphemism for I don't like my life. Yeah. Right. I don't All right. like the things I'm. That's a euphemism. But not like I said, there's really bridges. About there's bridges always open. Got remember, there's knives in the kitchen. Just because you have the thoughts of it doesn't mean that you're you want to do go through it. But you have the thought of why. But so why say it? Because you want attention. No. Because you want to share it. It may be easier for me to get it off my chest through a rap. And I want to share. I think everybody feel like that. Like I don't want to be here no more. But I'm never going to be like I don't want to be here no more. Because if I don't really want to be here, there's plenty of pill bottles in the cabinet. I could get it popping at any time. Here's the thing: we talk about transfer of information, right? So you were talking about your girlfriend saying that she's related to a lot of people, always being concerned with maybe dating somebody that's related to her. And a lot of that's because the fathers of the kids aren't sharing information. Right. Yeah. So sharing information is about one could help you, right? Yeah. Just by getting it off your chest, but you could be helping someone else. Yeah. So the fact that you are saying, I've struggled with mental health, I've struggled with thoughts of suicide. Somebody else that's having the same thoughts that are afraid to say something. I love them. I'm loving now, where this conversation is going. Now they can open up and say, you know what, mom, I listened to a guy today that I thought had it all together. And he told me that he struggled with mental health. I do too. I need some help. That can spark change by admitting admitting certain things about yourself, even things that are worse. Like you know, and I, I, I've, I've told my sons this before. Yeah, I was I went to prison. I was fortunate. They were fortunate that their mom married a guy that's a bet, better dad to them than I ever could have been, right? And I respect them for that. But I've also told them when I got out, I was a piece of shit. I spent my whole life doing things that led me to go to prison. Right, so the man that you see today is not the man that was in yeah. front of you when you were four years old or five years old. Because you grew. Because I grew. Yeah. But I had to admit that to them. Yeah. I needed them to know that I wasn't shit. Right. Yeah. So by you admitting that doesn't mean that you know I'm thinking about killing myself or I want to kill somebody else. It's about I need them to know what I went through, what I thought, why I thought it. So if they suffer. They can say, well, my dad was honest about it with but, me. Maybe I can be But, but that's me. different. I'm just saying when people say they want to kill themselves, do they really want to kill themselves? Because, like, you have, like, but if you want to, you can do it yeah, at any can. time. By, by you vocalize it, that's saying, yo, I need help. It, well, it I guess is. you don't know it how is. to say I need help. It, 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 it is. Hard. A lot of people don't know how to say it, especially in the black community, because Talking I about agree. mental health is also, it's like... A weakness. It, it is. Yeah. So you don't even want to talk about it. So you just sitting there struggling with it. And it's almost like you're at the edge of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, my thing is you you don't have to say that uh, I want to kill myself to get help. You could just say, yo, I need help. You can. I'm, I'm, I'm going through something. I need help instead of saying I want to kill myself. It, it's, it's a little different. To get the help. Look at it like this. When you go when you go into the hood and you talk to a kid and you tell a kid, look, I was going through some things, right? That, that kid will probably say, yeah, my mom goes through things all the time. Because she might try to interrupt his mom and his mom says, hey, I'm going through something right now. Come back later. Right? So they associate that phrase you just gave them with their mom being too busy. When somebody comes to you and say, I'm going through some things, and you don't include the last part, they just think it's temporary. But when you tell them, I'm going through some things, I'm contemplating suicide, that's a trigger. That means it's more than just somebody being busy. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different when you go to the extreme. And most people don't like to go to the extreme. Why? Because it gets silent like this. And they don't want that. 
Have so you ever say that? Have you ever said you was gonna kill yourself? Have I ever? I've never said it. I've thought about it. I've contemplated it. Cause again, everybody deals with mental health. When my pops passed away, it was my best friend. I spent twenty nine years every single day of my life with that man. Rest in peace to him. Every single day, I had nothing. To, I was like, I don't got nothing to live for no more. So I, I contemplated it. But I never said it or verbalized it. Um, but that was a. That goes back to what you were saying. If I would have, if Jordan Bell would have verbalized, he wants to kill himself. That's that's my mindset. If I verbalize that, how are people gonna look at me? Mm-hmm. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Now I've I've thought I've thought about y'all. I don't want to be here no more. When I screw ups, all that kind of mistakes. All, damn, what am I here for? Yeah, I, I I think about it. I don't think about it anymore. But of course, but you have to verbalize those kind of things. When you I, thought about it, did you think of a way? How to do it? No, I didn't, I didn't go that far. But you also have it. to understand support system. Because when I was having those thoughts, I verbalized it to him, to him, to yeah. my mother. Because that, I knew that was my support system. I know saying it will make that support system understand yeah. what I was going yeah. through. Now, you have people who posted on social media, but you have to say, why are they putting this out here for attention? Yeah, They might not have a, 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 support, a support system. system. So they're looking for somebody, anybody to care. You know what I'm saying? And I'll be honest with you, my... Even though I suffered through it, when he went through it, my response was kind of like yours. He won't tell the story, but I will. You know, he was he was calling people and telling people. Man, you know, his mom called me and told me that his 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 stepdad had went over there and took all the knives out of the house. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, but I'll go talk to him. So I went over and told him, look, man, if you want to do it, you got a gun, pull the trigger. Yeah. Pull the trigger, but fucking stop calling everybody and telling them what you're going to do. That's what I would. I would have. I'm not going to lie. I would have said the, the same thing. thing. But here's the thing: he knew what I was telling him because I it was suffered, through love. Because I suffered through it before too, and he knew that. So I was telling him, if this is really what you want to do, then do it. But I know it's not what you really want to do. Yeah. You're just going through something. You just right? need somebody to talk. You just to. need somebody to talk to. Yeah. So, but until you verbalize it, you don't get that kind of attention, man. But it's what tough. what pushes a man? to the edge to say they don't want to be here no more. I'll tell you a video that I saw a couple weeks ago. You guys probably heard about it. A guy named Mikey from Lynchburg. I won't say his last name. But um, he had recently got out of prison. And uh, I got a video one morning sent to me on Facebook. So I open it up. I look at the video. It's dark, but I can hear somebody talking. I ain't going back to prison. Drive this motherfucking car. He was face. He was he was he was live on Facebook. Yeah, and he had a girl driving the car. He had a gun, and the cops was behind him. He was t- asking her, "Did you call the motherfucking cops?" And she was saying, "No, I didn't call the cops." And he put the gun out the window and fired at the cops. And he's like, "I'm going back to prison. Yo, fuck this!" And then you see the gun go to his head. Boom, over, killed himself. Mainly because he didn't want to go back to prison. Mm. So at the end of the day, well, we can we can talk about all the reasons, yeah. you know, because obviously if you don't want to go back to prison, why do you have a gun? Why are you doing things that you even need? Yeah. We can talk about that. But at the end of the day, going back to prison was his worst nightmare, and he wasn't going back. He'd rather be dead than to go back to prison. Now, uh-uh. if you have, and that's a sad story, but if you have in some type of mental issues, can we trace that back to <coughs> accountability? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But the problem is with mental health is, especially when you have those thoughts, you're only thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Th- so let's say if financially you're struggling, you're not thinking about a job and how the way to build your finances back up. You're thinking about right now. 
Mm-hmm. Where am I at right now? And yeah. what do I don't want to go through for the mm-hmm. next few years to try to get this back right? It's almost like at end level. And the most people you see commit suicides are what? Celebrities. Why? Because mm-hmm. something in their life happened to where they have to deal with the right now and they don't want to go through that. Or you don't have so, a plan. Not have can a time... Plan. Can time oh, help it? Time, time, time probably, help that's it. That's the thing that does help because once you're able to get that support system, you're able to get back on your feet, you get outside. Or so, does time make it lay make it lay dormant? It, 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 either way, time always but is opportunity. So time buys you opportunity to get it right. You know, I, I can tell you guys tons of stories, but it's both sides. So you also have people that end up doing something to somebody else. And a lot of times it happens because, one, they have the gun. Right. You have the weapon on you. It makes it the opportunity arises and you just do it. Because the question is, we all may have felt like some point in our life, I kill this motherfucker. Right. Yeah. But then you have something that says, wait a minute, you don't want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What gives you that? What makes that mechanism go off? A lot of times is not having the weapon, because if you got to go get the weapon and then come back, you think you feel a yeah. little different. You think a little different. Mm-hmm. The person might not even be there. So the time buys you a different opportunity. And the yeah. same thing with with mental health. Time can help, but you have to, a lot of times you're going to need some other type of help, something you yeah. can't do on your own. So going so, to see a therapist uh, and in black communities, most people don't have health yeah, insurance to be able yeah. to go see a therapist. So what do you do with that? Yeah, right. and, and it's different for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, going to get the weapon. So without the extreme, that may just say, you know, coaches say all the time, you got to go walk it off. That's right. You know, yeah. if you're going off on yeah. the sideline, go yeah. walk it off. Yeah. Walk it off. You know what I'm saying? That, and that means go get your head together, move around a little bit, move out of this exact environment. Go walk it <laughs> off. Get, get out of the now. You know, for some people, it may be listening to music. It may be going to the gym. Yeah. It may be writing. It may be just getting out the house. Because when I was going through my thoughts, I was stuck in my apartment. Yeah. I wouldn't leave. Yeah. I'm stuck I think everybody kind of go through those issues. Like, I be a lying saying I ain't never go through through those issues. Um, I try to keep it private. Most people or, do. Or, or, or um, I got different things that I, that's why it's always important to have something you be, truly believe in. And I get entrenched and drenched in whatever I believe in right. to, to get over whatever I have to get over. Um, and as you get older, those situations become even bigger, especially when they're not tackled. Like, so I do know I don't want to feel like like I'm insensitive to mental issues, mental right. health issues, because I know that's a right. that's a a big thing in the African American community, right. and something that's really ignored. Because mm-hmm. I've worked with people that had these problems, and I'm like, wow. In our community, these things ain't even really being tackled. Like, this could have helped this person before he really lost lost it. If he had somebody to talk to or he even had, like, a a higher power they believe in or whatever. That's right, because, you know, ultimately we think the religion is that that determining factor between right and wrong, right? Yes. It's really not. It's consequences, Mm -hmm. right? So when a person make a decision to not kill somebody, it's because... God intervened and said, well, I'm a good person. I don't want to kill this person. You know the consequence. Exactly. I don't want to go to prison. That's the mm-hmm. consequence, right? So having time allows people to think about the consequences, even if it's something, you know, suicidal thoughts, right? What are the consequences? Mm-hmm. You know, and just, just for people that think, well, what are some consequences other than death? 
you attempted suicide and you end up paralyzed from the neck down. So now all you can do is think. Yeah. You can't even attempt mm, it again. Yeah. Right? What if you decide to jump off a bridge and you change your mind halfway down? What happens? Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of things that people think about that time allows you the opportunity to feel different about what you think and maybe get some help. Well, the consequences making things worse. One of the things you told me in mental health is don't do the the snowball effect. That's right. So allowing one situation mm -hmm. to go to two, mm -hmm. to three, to four, mm -hmm. to five, to six, because right. now you're making matters worse. And as a man, especially a black man, we were really plagued with that, right. that snowball effect yeah, that you yeah, said. Absolutely. One thing turned into two. And then you look up, you mad. Then somebody say, why are you so? That, that's, that, right. that's a small problem. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. it was a whole <laughs> lot of things that boiled up yeah. into one. Like, you know, And then, you know, men, we're we not supposed to cry. So we right. go in the bathroom. Right. Most men, we go in the bathroom and cry. Yeah, yeah, in the dark. Like, I, I, I think everybody do that. Or, right. like, you know what I mean? But... Cause we can't come out and cry to our lady. We can't come and cry and cry to our friends, which we should be able right. to. Accountability is huge. Yes. When you think about everything we talked about, all has some resemblance of a level of accountability. Yeah, except for Eminem. That's no accountability. That's just that's just something horrible. But go ahead, brother. <laughs> that's funny. But to your point, though, it it brought out the passion. Yeah. You know, it brings out the passion. And the great thing is if you can get people passionate about a book or about education, about the truth, about history, about finances, about doing better in your community, if you can get people passionate about that, and that's what a lot of programs try to do. So yeah. we talk about programs in, in Bedford County. Like we we had a basketball program called Hoops Kid that we use. That was your community? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, a program that, called uh, okay. Hoops Kid where you, we use that as a tool to teach kids how to play basketball at competitive level, work on your individual skills. But more mm -hmm. importantly, we use it as an opportunity to talk to you, yeah. right? So you basketball is the thing to get you down. Yeah, with. yeah. But then we talk about time management. It's kind of the trick. Discipline, yeah. behavior, yeah. all those good things that you can now go incorporate in your daily life that has nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. So you find something that a child is passionate about. Yeah. You use it to your advantage. Yeah. Kind of the same way the government uses us for politics. Right? Yes. But we're trying to use it to educate our kids so that they can become productive parts of society. That, mm. That's that's our, that's incumbent upon all of us to do. So that. is the children our future? Absolutely. Of course. Absolutely. Why? That's is the the whole purpose in having kids is to keep the party going. That's the whole purpose, man. <laughs> Keep this party going. I think about all the, the things that people before us went through. Think about, we, we can talk about where majority of the black people derive from in America. We can talk about that all day. Yeah. But let's just talk about if you think about it from the perspective of what slaves went through. They didn't kill themselves. Mm. They hung think in there. Think about how strong they were. Yeah, yeah. they hung in there. Yeah. You they get what I'm saying? Think about how strong... They, Exactly. I think how easy wow. it would have been just to just to go and say, man, just go and kill me. Because that's easy. But you know that what was they easy did? to do for family, right? Mm -hmm. So what they the white man would do is use your relatives against you. So you have a sister, you have a brother, you have kids. You don't do what I tell you. I ain't gonna do nothing to you. I'm gonna yeah. sell your daughter, right? Mm -hmm. Family was important. Yeah. So when you think about the future of this of of, of this world, if it's not the kids, then who is it? Mm. Right. You know? my, my philosophy is a little different. I think they are the future, but I also say that they're the now. 
And I say that because when mm. I was asked to speak at the, you know, the Black Lives Matter <coughs> protest, and I was like, I don't want to do this again because I shouldn't be the one speaking. I'm 31 years old. Yeah. You guys are the ones that's getting killed. When we look young at the, the Trayvon Martins, mm. it is the high school kids, the the young people, you should be ones speaking out. Mm. So now, you, you know, you work at the school, right? So they might look at you as the, the OG, the elder now. I look at him as an elder. So for me, as an elder, I kind of want to be behind the scenes. Whatever you need from me, I got you. Because we would look at the civil rights movement. You, you talk about Dr. King and Rosa Parks, but we know Claudette Colvin. We know John Lewis was a teenager. We know what the, the youth Jackson. did. So when we Ruby Bridges, all of these people, mm -hmm. you guys are the now. You know what you don't want to put up with 10 years from now, 20 years from now. It's up for you to say something. Mm -hmm. We'll guide you, but it's up to you now to secure your future and the future of the people that you're going to be bringing in to this mm. world. And we kind of have to get out their way. We kind of have you to said that in the podcast. We, yeah. we have to get, get out, out their, their way. way. We we ask their opinion, we ask their ideas, and then when they tell us, "Oh no, you're wrong." Yeah, that's not the but way to do it. That's is the, how, that was good? You said that right, but how do we get out their way? Because that's what was done to us. You know, from from my generation, especially if I see you doing something that I made this mistake, I seen yeah. you making that same mistake. How it's, do it's, we it's, do it's it? Way, it? There's ways yeah. you can come at. So if somebody, if you, if somebody was doing, if a youngin was doing something that you did when you were their age and you knew how much trouble it got you into, it's a way you can approach that person and say, "Hey, I did this same exact thing. This is what happened to me. I'm just letting you know that if you continue to do this, mm -hmm. this might be the consequence of that." Yeah. They may look at that. They may look at that response completely different than nigga. Stop doing that stupid right. shit. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the biggest problems we had as a as a uh, population relates to the NAACP. When you mm -hmm. look at local chapters of the NAACP, the average age is sixty or older, right? Yeah. Sixty or older. What agendas are they still talking about? Yeah. You see, what talking I mean? about the same thing. Exactly. We want jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that. Because some of the agendas are good, and I know you guys had this problem, too, in the beginning, where they wanted to have names stay consistent. Like, they wanted in Beverly, they wanted to keep the Susie Gibson, Susie B. Gibson, Susie B. Gibson name on the school. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people was like, well, we don't care about that. Well, here's the problem. If you don't do that, you lose that history. Right. So you need them to do that. And that's one of the things that the local chapter in Beverly would always talk about, is trying to keep some of those things and not lose them. Mm -hmm. But some of the other agendas... Those agendas are done with. You yeah. can't worry about those agendas. Right. So for in terms of getting out the way, that's what we're talking about. Is some of the older generations, some of those agendas, push those to the side. We're not going to worry about those. Yes, we want the we want the street names. We want it to be Martin Luther King Boulevard. But I'll be honest with you. You go to any community in the United States and go to Martin Luther King Boulevard, it's Martin Luther King Avenue, the it's the worst part of the city. Do you really want Martin Luther King associated with that? Right. So naming a street is one thing. I think that's by design, though. They'll I, let that happen. They'll let it and change. we're the ones that's doing it. Yeah. It's, right. We're the ones that's doing it. That's that accountability. Absolutely. We, we're the ones that's doing it. So part of the problem is we're continuing to push those agendas from that that elder state of NAACP. Mm -hmm. Because you got younger people aren't concerned with calling a street Martin Luther King Boulevard. I can tell you now, ain't no 20-year-olds out there advocating for that. No. No, right? No. That's the agendas of the people before us. We need to get out the way and let the younger generation push the agendas that they feel are important today. Mm -hmm. That's what but we're talking about when we talk about When you say out getting way. out the way, I, but we know if we let them take the wheel, <coughs> the younger generation, 
It won't be Martin Luther King Boulevard. It'll be Gucci Man Boulevard. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So yeah, do we? Right, how we, far we, do we let them drive the car? <laughs> no, I feel because they bug outs. No, they, they're driving, but we're in the passenger seat, so we're out the way. But we still can. But be they have all of us wearing purses. All men wearing purses. <laughs> I, I feel what you said. They I, would I like. So it's like we have to let them drive, but be right there. Like, yo, take this left. Slow down. No, it's behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You did say that. Yeah. Behind the scenes is Mm -hmm. still educating. Yeah. 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 So, like for instance, right? So, with the Bedford County School Board, especially, everybody was talking about bringing in more Black history into the curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. Bedford County said no. We ain't doing it. Why did they say no? Well, we know why they said no, but yeah, nobody. Black people stopped talking about it. So I'm like, okay, just because Bedford County said no. What are you doing in your everyday life? Yeah. Are you, you know, are you allowing your kids to still read these books that they're banning from the library? Are you a teaching? Are you learning so you can teach your kids? Are you just saying, well, Bedford <coughs> County School is not teaching them, so we ain't going to do nothing either? And that's that accountability. So we can't expect the youth to take the wheel if we're not educating them. And, right. and, and we still got a guy. We still, we still have to give them the knowledge to be able to Take that wheel. So when you start teaching your kid to drive, you ain't just putting them in the car and say, go. No, you got to say, hey, look, first first thing you get in, put your seatbelt on. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And if we're doing it right, you're not going to have leaders that are going to be trying to name a street Gucci Mane lane, right? If if we bring them up yeah. right, that's yeah, not going to happen. Right. If we're doing our part, and, and, and we're not just talking about community leaders and educators and motivators, we're talking about parents. And I, I think when we talk about accountability, and this is the one that most black families don't like to talk about, right, is black parent accountability. We don't like to talk about that because the black, the average, if you think about the black people that you know, the last thing they want you doing is trying to tell them how to be a fucking parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they'll let you fact. know that. Mm-hmm. They'll tell that's you that fact. to your face. Yeah. Who are you to tell me how to parent my child, right? Yeah. But we can't let that stop us. Right, because mm-hmm. what I did in my past is not what I'm talking about. What I'm yeah. talking about, where your child is going to go if they continue doing what they're doing, right. I can tell you a lot about that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we can't back down from that type of response when we're talking to black parents. Mm-hmm. We can't back down from it. You can't be afraid of that. That's the accountability that we need. Because if the accountability doesn't start in the home, you ain't gonna get it nowhere. That's else. a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ain't That's get a it fact. Else. That's a fact. And that, that goes back to we had that though. At, at one mm-hmm. point, we had that community to where I could discipline my next door neighbor's child, That's right. and my neighbor could discipline my child without us fighting back and forth. <coughs> Some <Yeah>. somewhere <coughs> in took that, a village. We lost. We was that. with the yeah. village. Somewhere in there, we lost that. Well, you know what ended up happening is single mothers. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Single mothers got into that situation where um, the the black fathers weren't around, and it was all on them. And nobody was going to come in and break that bond between them and their child. So if somebody Mm -hmm. else disciplines my child and my child comes home crying, the only thing I care about is my child came home crying. I'm going to see Miss Jones. Mm -hmm. Miss Jones, you put your hands on my on my child, you know, and and that's the protection. That's that protection mechanism that black mothers have. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I get that. Um, the other thing is, is that we don't really have people worthy in the community to be disciplining anybody. That's another problem. You know, I can't have a guy out here that's getting high and then trying to tell my son not to get high, right? That's difficult. Even though he has a right to, and I'm glad that he is, but he's following your example. He's not listening to your words. Yeah. So if you want to do good in the community, you got to do good you in the do community. Good, right? Yeah. Hey, let me change something up real quick. 
I love this this whole uh, accountability conversation, but um, I want to switch the pitch a little bit to uh, when we did when we had it as far as our community, and uh, we got somebody here that can speak on this topic real well. Join, tell them about Gainsborough. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gainsborough is a it's still a it's still a majority black community here in Roanoke, but um, during Jim Crow civil rights era, I say from about 1900 up until about the 1970s, it was like a black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Two over 200 businesses, hospitals, um, home ownership, schools, churches, and in the 1950s, when urban renewal hit, integration started to come. All of that was just completely destroyed and wiped out and bulldozed. So that neighborhood and community just was wiped out wiped and completely, out. completely taken away. And so now, Gainesboro looks like one of the worst neighborhoods and communities in the city of Roanoke when just 60 years ago, it was one of the best neighborhoods in Roanoke. Mm-hmm. But it was completely wiped out. It had over 200 businesses, black-owned, black-run hospital, churches, schools, and now it doesn't have any of that. Tell them, what are you doing in the Gainesboro area now? So what, what I'm doing same area. Is, is trying to preserve that history. Okay. And not only preserve that history, but build on to that. So we had a medical clinic, you know, 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. How did they build that medical clinic and keep it self-sustaining? How can mm-hmm. we do that again? So not only learning about it and teaching about it, but trying to build on to that. Because I'm telling you, once people find out that they, to me, the most important history you can learn is the history right where you live. Absolutely. Is yeah. the history. As soon as you walk out the front door to your left, Oliver Hill lived right there, civil rights attorney. Edward Dudley, first black ambassador in the country, lived right here. To me, the most important history you can learn is as soon as you walk out your front door, what happened in my neighborhood mm-hmm. a couple of years ago that I can build off of. That's so right. pre- preserving that history to me is, that's my passion. That's dope. That's yeah. awesome. about the, the, the tours you do. So we've given the tour of probably about a thousand people over the past two years. Me and my daughter, um, and what it's like a it's like a mile long walk, but it's like a square mile. Okay. So what we do, we just we started the Gainesboro Library. We hit a, uh, a, a area that we call the Clater property, which used to be a twenty three room mansion, uh, mm-hmm. all black, all black family, eight children, Tuskegee Airmen. Um, mm-hmm. They had a had a black medical clinic, had a ba- black service station. Then across the street from them, it was a civil rights attorney, Reuben Lawson. Then a few blocks up the street, Oliver Hill, Edward Dudley, famous civil rights uh, wow. activist. And so we we walked though we walked that neighborhood, pointing to the houses, pointing to these buildings, pointing to the empty lots where these where these areas used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then going over to Henry Street, where James Brown and Ella Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and Wilt Chamberlain and Harlem Globetrotters they used to come, and it was you know all those businesses over there. Wow. And so. Um, we, it's a walking tour called Gainsboro Revisited. Um, and so we, we've been doing that for probably about the last two and a half, three years, me and my daughter. That's what, dope. What, what could we do? What could we do to help support that cause? What, what could we do? To be honest with you, what I've been thinking about is how can we connect all of the black history in Southwest Virginia? Yeah, because okay. it wasn't just Gainsboro. It wasn't. Like it was every That's area right. that it was black people had these type of... Yeah communities like we always think that they just let us know about black wall street right. and harlem right 
Yeah. Yeah. We, we did an episode about, you know, the local people just in central Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's um, in Lynchburg, there's a house of a lady who was influential in the Harlem Renaissance. You know, what's her, what's her, I, somebody, um, told what her, her somebody told me um, about that. And, and something. Um, also, you know, you had the, the Patterson Seven in Lynchburg, the mm-hmm. first sitting, the first sitting you know in saying? a cafe in Lynchburg. Oh, for real! Yeah, was it like a Woolworths? It was a Woolworths. Yep. Oh, wow! You know, first, it was Woolworths. first sitting in the country. No, in Virginia. In, in Virginia. Virginia. Okay, Virginia. okay. And then you know, a lot of predominantly you know influential people came from Virginia. Actually, Mary Ellen Pleasant, one of, who was mm-hmm. considered one of the richest, actually she was actually born in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, trying just trying to connect all of that hit and build off of it. Because, you know, right. pe- people who lived here in Gainesburg, people who did business in Gainesboro wasn't necessarily from Roanoke or lived in Roanoke. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's that brother's name? Uh, it's a brother named John H. Davis. He was a black millionaire here in Roanoke, like in the ni- like 1915. But he's from Lynchburg. And his name is John H. He owned, he owned a place called Davis Hall on Gainesboro Road, and it was a black pharmacy. Okay. But he, he from John H. Davis. He's from Lynchburg. Mm. Wow. Yep. Yeah, that you know, when we, we did some um a couple of podcasts on black history in this area and one of the areas that get that get left out a lot is the Peaks of Art. The, the, What's that? the parkway, the Blue Ridge Parkway. A lot okay. of black um um cities mm-hmm. were established on the on the parkway. Wow. And one of the first places, I never heard that. One of the first places to to become desegregated in Virginia was on the parkway when they started creating the little camping sites. Is because they wanted because there was such an influx of black people mm-hmm. on the mountains. They said, "Well, we got to make sure that we're able to bring these folks in to where we can make some money." So they integrated some of the bathrooms so that black people could 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 use the the bathrooms. Wow! But that's where some of the the that. first the first sections of desegregation took place. Wow! But just imagine if we can connect all the dots mm-hmm. yeah. of black history, black communities in Virginia. And I'm I'm telling you, they are, somehow, some way, they all connect. Absolutely, yes. somehow, some way, they all connect. Yes. Have, have either of you ever been down to Danville? Mm-hmm. They got a lot of history down there. Oh Danville yeah, too. Yes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of yes. history. You got Danville. You got Farmville, of course, was influential. Right. Yeah, yeah. Appomattox. Yeah, yeah. yeah Farmville was uh, that's some of the descendants of of Nat Turner. Nat Turner lived there. You got, um, um, Brown versus the Board of Education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Denzel Washington's from Farmville. He is? Mm-hmm. Wow. Somebody else is from Farmville. Yeah. I can't Lady of Rage. I know that. Lady, Lady of Rage from Farmville. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was, I, That's was, right. I was shocked when I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, Lady of yeah, Rage. Yeah, she used to be a Fevers back in the day. That's before y'all signed. Yeah, I know I know about Fevers. <laughs> <laughs> I know about Fevers. Man, this was a great show. Absolutely. This was definitely a great show. My, my cameras went dead, but we got we did get some video. But we oh, got, okay, we audio, okay. So we got okay. content to work. To, to All work right. With, what, do you, what do y'all do y'all show down there? Uh, in my crib. Okay. Yeah, so like I said, I'm a person who just try to be creative and use what I got. So I already had the cameras when it got mics and turned my, my basement into a little, little um, office. So the background is basically my little office. And we just started doing it, like. Just using what we got, getting little things here and there to make the, make it look better, to make it sound better, and just just working, you know, just putting wow. our head down and working. And Bedford is when we do our podcast, you know, Bedford is an area that is weird, you know what I mean? Because you know what I'm saying, 
a lot of black people are uncomfortable with what we talk about. Yes, you know what yes, I'm saying? yes. Even yeah. just the history part. Yeah. You know, like you talked about it earlier, Martin Luther King was one of the most hated people on, on the planet when he was alive, not just by white people, by black by people. By black people, because yes. Because a lot of people don't like just stirring the pot yes. of just yeah. talking about certain things. But that's what our podcast wanted to do. It wanted to create <coughs> conversations. It wanted to, especially in our own community where a lot of things is brushed under the rug. I can't tell you how many meetings I went to where white people telling me that racism de- that doesn't exist. And I'm like, y'all got to be crazy because y'all not the ones experiencing yeah, it. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, yeah. that's what we want to do with our show. And of course, talk about black history. Of course, bring information. You know, there's teachers who say, man, I didn't know that. But that's yeah. the information we want yeah. to bring on. Yeah. Because, you know, in schools, they only t- we only taught the easy people. Of course. Like, you things know, that, the, the, they, the, like. they didn't shake up things as much. Yeah, that's right. Especially down like, here in the South. Yeah. You know, there was things that I was taught in school that they didn't teach them in school. I taught them you know, yeah. outside of school. But they didn't learn about, like, Benjamin Banneker. Yeah. They, they didn't teach that in school. And their brothers. You know, yeah, and, and he was one of the one of the most intelligent brothers. And the the funny thing is, is when you go to DC, there's no mention of Benjamin no Banneker, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But you got Lafont Plaza, yeah, and he was the guy who was supposed to design and build it, who who had a disagreement and left, and they went to Benjamin Banneker, and he said, you know what, I could redo the plans from memory. I got you, you know, yeah, you know, the, the brother built the clock. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, and they call it Big Ben, but they claim it's not due to Big to Ben to to, 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 to Benjamin Banneker, right? But they call yeah. it Big Ben. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah that that's that's crazy, uh, man. So just let um the good folks in New Wabu Land, New Wabu Orderland, know where to find you at. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Martre Stevens, M A R T R E Y. Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Um, you can also follow our Facebook page, My Unapologetic Perspective, which has got more likes from people I don't know than people I do know. That yeah. just shows you the support yeah, yeah, from, from yeah. strangers, right? Yeah. Um, on YouTube, Mighty Motivation Network, um, Instagram, Martre S. And um, I ain't gave out my TikTok yet because I'm just stu- studying the I need algorithms to do that. Yeah, I got to learn how to do so that. So I just been posting on TikTok, studying the algorithms. The numbers look good on TikTok. I can't say that, but yeah. I haven't gave that out yet. I got to do the TikTok. So t- tell our people where to find your podcast. Um, find it on anchor uh, dot FM backslash New Wabu Order. <coughs> also, you can find me on YouTube, New Wabu Order. I got a couple of um, good shows on there. What I try to blend is like battle rap and consciousness. That's my goal, but it's looking like it's leaning more towards consciousness because I love it more than battle rap. But I just like the fierceness of battle rap. And like if you could put like if a battle rapper could be a conscious leader, that would be something ill. Like they could just say what they really want to say. So real quick, so, why why did Easy Block Captain leave gun titles? Did he say? I don't I don't really like Easy Block Captain. Like Easy? Nah, nah. nah. Oh, when they was on, when they was all talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like it, I got a. He joined um, on Midnight Madness. He on uh, the Hitman's team. Oh, no. oh I, see, I seen I seen Calico oh, ball game. his landslide yeah. team. Oh, but uh. No, yeah, you're right. He Calico. He was Calico. Oh, landslide. landslide. Okay. 
I have a um a show actually with uh, Knowledge God. He's the um like the biggest blog yeah. in battle rap. Hip hop is real. Yeah, yeah. hip hop is real dot com. Um he and he came from the consciousness. <coughs> he had um Key to Life Productions. Mm-hmm. And he used to interview Sonetta, everybody, Polite. He interviewed everybody. But um just like me, he had got a sour taste in his mouth about like what we were saying about the uh, conscious community. Yeah. So he said, you know what? He said, Sinetta said that he was an agent and all type of stuff. So he said, you know what? I'm going to do this battle rap thing. And he, and things got big for him. Yeah. He got like almost 300,000 subscribers and through, through, through that. So um, I interviewed him. He's going to be back on the show this year also. Yeah. That, that was a dope um, interview. I think we might try to do a face to face, like, yeah. Uh, in-house thing instead of over Zoom. But yeah, I just got plenty and they got some good shows to come. Got to Tahaka Bay coming. Um I got uh Jay the Shooter. He's um like a black gun club. He has a black gun club. Um and I also have uh Doggy Diamonds. Uh that's gonna be on the 29th. I don't know when it's gonna come out though. That's what I got coming up this year, and, and some other guests. Um, it's not confirmed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shout out to my man, uh, Mark Muhammad Jr. And that's that's how we coming over here in New Wild Water. So, Jordan, how can they go? Where do they go to to get the tour of Gainesboro? I know y'all be doing events. Y'all did the Juneteenth event. How can people from Bedford? especially or Lynchburg or the people who listen to us, how can they get information on how to come see those things or be a part of those events? So Gainsborough Revisited has a Facebook page and it's entitled Gainsborough Revisited. And then just hit me up on social media, uh, okay. Facebook mainly, Jordan Bell, and all the information is right there. You can inbox me. Um, that's how majority of the people find out is just uh, broadcasting it on Facebook and then people inbox me on Facebook. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh. 